All right, guys, let's get ready to talk about an episode of Raw that featured returns, it featured debuts, and it still managed to be the most boring three hours of television I've ever seen. Okay, I'm going to try to talk fast about Rob because it wasn't that interesting and I don't want to just rant for an hour about how much I didn't like it. But there was still some very good stuff. Uh, The opening segment, it was Drew coming out and doing a promo with all of the legends who returned last night at Clash of Champions. It was really cool. Um, In my opinion, I thought the promo was rough and I feel like if you had given it to anybody else on the roster... It wouldn't have worked, but Drew McIntyre is so violently charming, he could make anything work. I am guarantee he could probably make that Suffering Succotash promo work. Um, also, for some reason, Drew was, like, super close to the mic, and my, uh, my podcasting brain hated that. Also, Sean was wearing an Undisputed Era hat, and I get it, he's part of NXT, but I was like, let him attack! And uh, then, of course, the segment ends with Randy basically coming out and saying, you thought we went to hell, well, I'll take you to hell, as if we didn't know the next pay-per-view was hell in a cell. And look, I get it, this is a really money, it's a money rivalry. It should have ended last night. Last night, it was... Very, very good. Um, Drew even issued an open challenge for later in the show, and that could have started a brand new rivalry. But instead, nope, more Randy versus uh, Drew McIntyre, which, yay, I guess. Um, up next, we had a nice segment, Zelina versus Asuka. And this was a real filler match because apparently not only had they lost Jackson Baszler, They also lost all five members of Retribution, meaning the big Raw storyline, the thing most people were tuning in to hear about, just didn't really happen. Didn't have anything to do with the show. Also, for some reason, for the rest of the show, the legends were in a room playing poker. It was to set up for something at the end, obviously, but man, it was weird in the moment. Uh, But up next was a filler match. It was a rematch from Clash of Champions, Zelina versus Asuka. If you listened to my review of that yesterday, you'll know I actually, I loved it. I really liked that match. I thought Zelina looked impressive, but tonight, not so much. Zelina looked fine. She looked really clean, but Asuka was trying to play the I've been disrespected, so I'm more angry card. But unfortunately... That translated into looking a little bit sloppier in the ring. Asuka definitely showed a vicious side, but also it looked a little sloppy. Uh, Zelina looked really strong, though. Looked really clever. Like, they they hit a moment where they literally did the, re- did the ending of last uh, night's match, and Zelina found a way out of it. So I was like, okay, that's clever. She's learned from the previous match, but overall, it was disappointing. And then, once we came back from commercial break, it was very weird, but... Andrade was in the ring cutting a promo on Zelina, and I understand they had to fill time, but of course it's Andrade saying, you've disappointed us, we we weren't the weak links, you were the weak link, and you're the reason Angel Garza is now injured, and I basically just looked at it as, okay, we're moving him to singles again, that's what this segment is for, and he issued an open challenge, which is two open challenges that have been uh, set up. I thought it would have been easier to have Keith Lee, who answered, come out and basically say, let's have a match right now, but 
whatever. Uh, so Keith came out. Andrade definitely. Here's the weird thing. You remember when Andrade seemed like a super big deal? He no longer has that aura about him. And it's really disappointing. And it almost seems like it was rubbing off on Keith Lee. Because Keith Keith has been done dirty. Yes, he had a very strong opening. But then he wasn't on the pay-per-view. Then he gets dropped into this random mid-hour segment with Andrade. And in all honesty, he looked really bored. He looked really bored during the match, and a lot of what makes Keith Lee Keith Lee didn't seem to be happening, and that was really disappointing. And this match, the previous match, a lot of the matches tonight uh, all kind of fall under the same criticism I had of the entire night, which it was, it was very basic. They were very basic matches, and they were very rough. They weren't really done with any passion or any excitement, and given what we've heard about behind the scenes at Raw, I perfectly understand that. Uh, Up next, the Hurt Business, who had like three segments tonight. Uh, They actually were really funny, and that disappoints me because I I used to not like the Hurt Business, but I'm starting to come around on them because they're they're showing more personality. They're showing more of being this. They're they're having that passion. They're having that fun and being these kind of despicable bastards. Whereas the other people on the roster kind of seem a little bit more bored with it. Um, Now after that was the continuation of one of my favorite uh, rivalries in WWE right now, which is R-Truth versus Akira Tozawa. It was just a fun backstage segment where R-Truth basically got a message from Tozawa saying he had been eaten by a shark. And then Tozawa comes out of nowhere, rolls him up, new 24-7 champion. Then Drew Gulak shows up, rolls him up, new 24-7 champion. And then, of course, finally R-Truth gets it back, new 24-7 champion. And I think they said it was his 41st rank and basically it was a nice fun little segment to set up a triple threat later in the evening and that was fine both of those segments were uh perfectly excusable excuses to have some fun and i liked it uh up next was the just oh man it was king's court with the mysterio family and it's just such a bizarre angle because i don't know if they're doing like a lovebird angle or a romeo and juliet style thing or if it's just their friends whatever but it's so weird murphy's 32 Aaliyah's 19 i think if you wanted to do this angle you probably should have put velveteen dream in it instead but who knows and it's just i honestly think this should have ended at SummerSlam. Because the segment was not good. They're rehashing the old... Like, they're putting a twist on it, but they're rehashing the Eddie and Ray feud, which was weird back then, and it's weird now. And it's like this angle is combining all of the worst angles into one. You've got the Ray-Eddie angle. You've got the eye-for-an-eye match. You've got Dominic coming in. Every single time something has failed as an angle, they're like, let's try it for this one. And it, it just doesn't work. Uh, segment ends with uh, Seth coming out and showing text messages from Aaliyah to Murphy. And he's like, I, he really tried to put so much pepper on something that didn't matter because he was like, look, she told Murphy happy birthday. How dare she? <laughs> and it was ridiculous. And so then Murphy confronts Seth, is about to beat him up. And then Dominic, the like DBZ instant transmissions behind Murphy and beats the crap out of him because his sister told him happy birthday. 
It's a bizarre, weird angle. Uh, Aaliyah is doing her best to make something out of it. Aaliyah's doing her best to say, like, no, you don't understand. Murphy's a good person. But also, I'm like, yeah, but I've been watching this for eight months. Could we get something else? And unfortunately, we did get something else next. And it was a women's tag team match. And I have soured on the women's tag team division since they broke up the Iconics. And I will never forgive them. And it started out with Lana and Natty uh, coming out and cutting a promo, which already made me cringe before they even talked. And um, basically saying, hey, Riot Squad didn't get the opportunity. It needs to be our opportunity. We're the reason the tag titles exist, which is absolutely ridiculous. Then Adam Pearce comes out and says, hey, if you want to prove it, face the newest acquisitions to Raw. And I know she's not a new acquisition, but they... WWE said dumber stuff in the past. I thought it was going to be Mandy Rose and Bianca, the two people that they're trying to introduce. Nope, it's Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke. And I was furious. I was furious. Mandy, uh, a lot like it seemed like Keith Lee had this too. They seemed like they lost everything special about them. Like Keith Lee had a real charisma coming in, and now that kind of seemed to have dipped. And Mandy lost her really she had some gorgeous gear at SummerSlam. that's gone it's now some basic pink creator wrestler stuff um she has none of the same attitude she's reverted back to the mandy rose who everyone was bored with the one who didn't really have that fire or fire and desire for lack of a better term and yeah it made me upset Dana Brooke did a bunch of cart wheels mandy got a lukewarm hot tag and then the baby faces won basic sloppy match we lost the iconics but we got mandy and dana brooke hooray up next uh the one segment of the show i was actually super hyphy about and it was alistair black versus kevin owens alistair his new look with like the bandana is astounding i love the fact that he's now put in a pure black contact to show that he's blind in one eye it's great um his promo was phenomenal it was talking about all of the times kevin owens had betrayed his friends all of the times kevin owens had went against his word and i love that i love when a baby face is forced to pay for the sins of the past the problem is i just wish this storyline had a more prominent spot i would take out dominic and ray or dominic and seth and put this in there give these guys a bigger spot also alistair black has a new theme song because wwe just can't keep giving cfo money and it's it's all right i hated it at first because i really loved his old theme song but it was all right um there's no coffin noise at the beginning of it anymore so that was good and honestly i loved this match it was a really vicious bout both of them really giving it at all you could tell that they both really wanted this victory and they both wanted to cause some punishment um like ko literally wristed all hit a senton off the apron to the ground it was brutal and it was a nice reminder that w WWE actually has people who can have good wrestling matches. Uh, the only problem was the ending of the match, which was um, it was a weird referee thing, which also goes back to the Andrade match at the pay-per-view. I think the referees are in retribution. There's just tons of weird calls, I guess, um, because basically uh, Alistair Black got in the face of the ref. Then basically the ref's like hey go fight and he goes okay goes back to fight and then pulls back for a punch hits the referee in the ribs because the referee was right next to him and then the ref is like all right 
call for the bell, he hit me. And I'm, I'm like, okay, that's how you're gonna do it, that's fine. So Alistair was upset uh, because of the botched call and then got stunned by KO while the announcer was announcing him. It was a very weird, mistimed finish. And I just, I, I don't like it. I don't like these kind of, this is why I like AEW so much, because I don't like these ridiculous kind of endings like this that are just meant to keep a feud going. There are numerous more creative ways to keep a feud going than just, oh, DQ finish, DQ finish, uh, trade a finish, trade a finish. Like, I, I think there's more clever ways to do it. Uh, up next was the next Hurt Business segment, which made me excited, because Mustafa Ali is back on my screen, and he's... He's in the hurt business angle because that's where all diversity in the WWE goes to die. The hurt business angle. I don't know why you could put them all in multiple different fun storylines. You could have them do all sorts of fun stuff, but instead all of you go to the hurt business. So that happened. It was all right. It was to set up a six man later. Uh, then we had Truth versus Gulak versus Tozawa. I laughed my ass off at the beginning of the segment because... Michael Cole had to say the sentence, Hell in a Cell brought to you by Skittles. Fucking Skittles? That's who you got, Vince? For the big creepy murder pay-per-view? You got Skittles? Um, anyways, it was a fun match. A lot of double teaming from Tazawa and Gulak. At, uh, Gulak. At one point, Gulak and Tazawa had Truth trapped in a submission, and I was like, what happens if Truth taps right now? Who gets the belt? And I thought that'd be a fun storyline. But instead, uh, Truth has a big comeback, takes out Gulak, hits the AA, which I loved. Even on commentary, they were like, his childhood hero, John Cena, taught him that. An uh, AA on Tazawa for a double pin, and our champion is still our Truth. And then we went backstage. After that exciting moment, we went backstage to Dana Brooke and Mandy Rose, who cut who just cut the most robotic, emotionless promos of all time. I'm fairly sure Dana Brooke is not an actual human, but instead a programmed robot meant for wrestling. And then the end of the segment had them look off to the side to look at Dominic to provide the most awkward segue ever into the next match, which was Dominic versus Murphy, which to me needed to learn a lesson from KO versus Aleister Black, because this one was supposed to be about Fury. It was supposed to be about Dominic getting revenge on Murphy for being told happy birthday by his sister, I guess. And it it just didn't have it. Dominic's too young for that at this point. I honestly think if these two guys do not need this storyline anymore. Neither of them do. Honestly, Murphy never needed to be with Seth. I got really excited in the beginning when Seth uh, recruited Murphy because I was like, oh, this will increase his stock because I've loved Murphy. Had some phenomenal matches against Reigns, against Brian, and yet he's just been getting hurt more and more through this storyline. Same with Dominic. I think Dominic needs to be separated from his father as much as possible right now. Give him a U.S. title shot. Give him something to prove himself away from his family. But instead, he's stuck in this storyline. It didn't have any much viciousness. It could have had some more fun development with Dominic's character, show some real aggression real beat down not just the commentary team saying dominic's being aggressive show the aggression because he wasn't and then of course the end of it has dominic grabbing a kendo stick going to attack murphy and then Aaliyah coming out and saying no you don't understand 
he's not a bad guy. And then Dominic gets back into the ring with the kendo stick, gets rolled up, and then he still beats up Murphy. And then Aaliyah starts screaming at Dominic, and then Dominic looks at her and is like, my dad was right. You are naive, because this is a soap opera, and I can't stand it. Um, Also, this was around the time when 9 o'clock hit, and it made me realize that not only is there no retribution, there's no raw underground, meaning there's nothing for me to rant about tonight, which made me very happy. But then they still gave me stuff to rant about. Uh, So then we come back from commercial. Ziggler uh, goes to Adam Pearce and says, I have an idea for the open challenge with drew mcintyre and he says well if you've challenged before you can't challenge again and mac and uh ziggler says no i have another man and they go off to his office and everyone at home realizes at once oh great robert rude's back back to the ring hurt business cuts a promo mvp says the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting the same result which describes raw's booking for the past six months and honestly mvp was really impressive i love mvp on the mic he's always going to be good he made sure to not let lashley or shelton talk a lot which was very smart because he is the mouthpiece and he does very good uh i was upset alexander wasn't there i don't know if he was involved with the covid scare or what but he he's not been with them at the pay-per-view and he wasn't here tonight so that was a little bit unfortunate but then the match began and big shock it was basic and rough. Also, Ricochet's rocking shorts now, which is weird. And then right before they went to commercial, Retribution shut off the lights, showed their Titantron, and then it went to commercial. And then we, when we come back, the match just continued. They didn't talk about it. And then the match ended, and they never addressed it. It was so bizarre. Um, the only thing about this match that I would have changed, uh, like Ali did very, very good. I just would have had him pin Lashley because then you could build up Ali versus Lashley. That way, that's a singles rivalry. You can put Ricochet somewhere, cruise somewhere, move them around. Don't keep them all together. But instead, no, we're just going to keep these three men fighting each other and, um, then we went back to the legends playing poker. Ric Flair got a royal flush because Retribution has COVID. And then we get a Bianca Belair segment, which I don't understand why they're trying to make her Mr. Perfect. It's very weird. I don't particularly like it. Like, here's my thing. If uh, there are some people in wrestling who need those kind of debut promo vignettes. Damian Sandow is a great example of this. Y2J has used them phenomenally in the past. But if you got someone who is a great wrestler, let them wrestle. And that's what they're not doing with Bianca Belair right now. And I'm, I'm like, just let her wrestle. Let her prove herself. Uh, then we get a promo for Retribution. Great. Cool. Retribution has a promo. And that was it. It was just like a hastily made, here's some stuff they've done. And that was it. Uh, Back to the ring. And we finally get McIntyre's open challenge. And it was very fun. McIntyre got to be very charismatic and say, the challenge is open. I think no one's coming out. I guess I'm going to sit here and talk for 10 minutes. And then he just walked around the ring and was chatting with people. It was very cool. Uh, And then, of course, Ziggler comes out, points. And then Bobby Roode comes out, which, God. 
I get it. I understand. They want Bobby Roode to come back. Bobby Roode's a big name. Bobby Roode has done some amazing things in his career. And um, they could have pulled on a lot of stuff. They could have talked about the fact that McIntyre won the NXT championship from Bobby Roode. They could have brought up that historic title history, but they didn't. And then Roode didn't really show enough to make me excited. And the problem with this match is the it was the same thing with Roman's match at uh, Clash of Champions. We knew without a doubt that McIntyre was going to win. So in this case, like bring out someone who you could have a fun match with, an underdog that would shock the world if they possibly got close to winning the title, or a heel who could be clever. Like I wouldn't have mind Rude doing this if Rude didn't come out the block looking dominant. Have McIntyre dominate him for a few, then let Ziggler interfere. And that's when Rude starts to get one over on him. And that's kind of how you help the audience mentally think like, oh, maybe Rude could win. Because at this point, they kind of laid the cards out on the table. Hey, this is just something that's going to happen. McIntyre's going to win. Whatever. Um, They just didn't remember who Bobby Rude was when he left, which was a somewhat mid to undercard guy who kind of worked as like a lackey for people. It was weird to see him come out in this spot. In fact, like, the only things I liked about this match were the kickouts, because it showed the difference in competitors they were, because, like, he hit the, he would hit, like, the spine buster, which is one of his biggest moves, and then McIntyre would kick out at one. McIntyre was kicking out at one on anything, and then every pinfall McIntyre got, Rude was almost taken out. It was a very fun dichotomy. It's just, it was basic and boring. It was a grab a limb and work it kind of match. Which, yeah, I get it. Worked McIntyre's leg. That way he can't hit the Claymore. Oh, he still hits the Claymore. Like, um, that's my thing with uh, AEW when it comes to, like, John Moxley matches. If someone works Moxley's arm and he knows he can't lock, lock in a paradigm shift, he will go into a different move. That's the only problem I have with McIntyre right now is the fact that it's like, his leg is broken. Oh, he still hit the Claymore, you know? Um, but yeah, it was it was a basic, boring match. And then we get the most insane ending to Raw of all time, which is a uh, a janitor's walking around backstage wearing his mask fully covered up. And then he pulls off his mask, grabs a steel chair. It's Randall Keith Orton, who everyone thought had left the arena. What? How's he back? Of course, he didn't leave. And so then he goes into the Legends poker room and puts on, I swear to God, it's like children's swim goggles commentary is like those are those are (laughs) they literally said those are night vision goggles i'm like absolutely not that is not what those are samoa joe so he goes into the legends room and because they're legends you can't hit chair shots on legends he turns off the lights and then we just get pitch black darkness as you hear pap pap as he's hitting everyone it was hilarious it was so hilarious because at least unlike what had happened on the rest of raw it wasn't basic it was still a little sloppily done but it was it was at least creative that's the problem with raw tonight is it needed to be more creative to make up for how sloppy some of the decisions were so uh then randy turns on the lights we see the legends laid out And then he goes back to his janitorial cart, puts on the hood, and then points people 
as if a camera did not just film him doing what he just did. It was so choice. He was like, whoever did it's in there. I'm the old janitor, Randy Orton. Wait, no, that's not my name. It was so ridiculous, but I loved it. I I really hope Randy gets the title. I want Randy to do... I want to see more evil Randy stuff, because I love evil Randy stuff. But yeah, like I said, Raw as a whole... It was, I'm trying to think of a rating system, because I know pay-per-views I want to do stars, because I want to be a little baby Meltzer, but I think it's raw, but I don't think this was raw, this was like well done. Actually, I'll give it a, I'll give it a, uh, a medium well, this is medium well, it's nowhere near, near raw though. So that is my review. Make sure to support us on patreon.com slash load of BS. That way I can keep doing these every single show. I was going to say every single day, but God, that's going to get exhausting. But please make sure to support us there. Pick up your merch at merch.loadofpurebs.com. And as always, follow me on Twitter at ScottyMo, S-C-O-T-T-Y-E-M-O, and follow the entire show at Fight Boys Show, because when you're a fight boy, you're a fight boy for life.